There are times when our family doctor is not our friend. It's not that our family physician is not friendly or competent or acting in our best interest. It's just that there are times when our doctor is honest with us, brutally honest. Times when they look us in the eye and tell us the real life consequences of our lifestyle choices. They tell us if you eat too much, you will get sick. If you don't exercise more, you will lose your mobility. If you don't take your medication, you will die sooner. Good doctors tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. And so does Jesus. There are many times when Jesus tells us how he will make our lives better, but like a good doctor, he is also willing to lay out the consequences of the choices we are making. Today, Vicki Hitzkiss, Nathan Norman, and Kent Edwards are going to take us into the great physician's office and let us hear the hard news we need to hear. Welcome to Crosstalk, a Christian podcast whose goal is for us to encourage each other to not only increase our knowledge of the Bible, but to take our next step beyond information into transformation. Our goal is to bring the Bible to life into all our lives. I'm Brian French. Today, Dr. Kent Edwards, Vicki Hitzkiss, and Nathan Norman continue their discussion through the Gospel of Mark. And if you have a Bible handy, turn to Mark chapter 11, verse 27, to chapter 12, verse 12, as we join their discussion. Nathan, Vicki, has your doctor ever given you bad news? The last time I went to the doctor, uh, I, have, I have this wonderful doctor and he calls me with the results. He didn't make me go back in, pay for the visit and go, everything's fine. <laughs> I just, <laughs> but anyway, I, I called because I didn't get any results and it's been several weeks. And I said to the nurse, I just want to make sure all the tests came back. And she goes, oh, she said, let me have him call you. So he called me, but he didn't say, Vicki, all your tests are good. He said, Vicki, I'm calling about your test results. Call me or I'll call you. Oh, mm. I know. That's what I thought. So then he called me back and he said, I've got your test results here. And he said, um, everything was fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> like <that. laughs> I know. He said it just like that. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't, uh, wasn't bad news. No, but boy, they had me for a while. I, uh, <laughs> a few years ago, maybe like three or four years ago, I was having some trouble breathing and wheezing and stuff. And I thought I, I was having this ongoing cold or something. And so I would go to my doctor and, uh, and he's asking me all these questions and doing all these tests and breathing tests and stuff. And he says, well, as you approach middle age, I thought, whoa, 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 excuse me, sir. I am a child. Thank you very much. I, it had never dawned on me. I was heading towards middle age. I, 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 oh my goodness, that hit so hard. And it was, uh, what is he called? Uh, middle-aged onset asthma as you approach middle age. Wow. And so I was like, oh man, that, that was such a gut punch. And I told my wife, can you imagine? She's like, no, you, you're getting kind of old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was grateful for it, though, in the aftermath, because, well, now I can breathe. Right. That's another example of bad news being good news, right? Right. Bad news being helpful. 
Well, today Jesus is going to uh, do something similar for us. He's going to tell us what he told the religious leaders of his day. He told them what they needed to hear, not what they wanted to hear. We pick up that story in Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 27. Vicki, would you set the scene for us here? Sure. It says, Jesus and his disciples arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you the authority to do this? Ooh. Whoa, no kidding. If they knew. Uh. <laughs> Nathan, what what are the chief priests and teachers of the law talking about here? What authority was Jesus exercising that caused them this concern? He's exercising his divine authority. All the things he's doing is saying, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ, the Son of God. And, and they're offended by that. How, how dare you? You can't do this. You can't say these kinds of things. They're too harsh. Upsetting the apple cart, so to speak. Uh, you're not allowed to do it. Yeah. And as we saw in our podcast last week, that Jesus was perfectly clear who he was, that he was the Messiah. And he expressed that in his triumphal entry. In his, as he did so, he perfectly fulfilled messianic prophecy. And he acted that way, as you just mentioned, by going into the temple and cleansing it. I am the Messiah. I am God. This is my authority. And they didn't like it, right? They don't think he's the Messiah. Or at least they don't want him to be the Messiah. So... What intrigues me about this passage this week is that Jesus answers them in an unusual way. Vicki, will you read verses 29 and 30 for us? And, and then Nathan, with his wisdom, will try and explain it to us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready, Nathan. Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. So, Nathan, here he's answering their question with a question, right? Very effective rhetorical measure. <laughs> what, what, what's going on here? Help me. Well, he's, he's establishing whether they can recognize God's hand and God's work. So, John was the forerunner of the Christ. John was a prophet. And if they're able to recognize it, great. It, and And... They know that he's going to say, okay, if it's John, he's, he's our guy. It's not so much he's trying to trap them. He's trying to show them their opposition to God's work in their lives. And his work in the world. Yes. He wants to know if they will be honest in their interpretation of the facts. Yes. Are they going to be objective? Are they going to be honest? So he takes the focus away from himself and says, tell me about John the Baptist. And look at their response. Vicki, read it to us, starting in verse 31. It says, they discussed it among themselves. And they said, if we say from heaven, he's going to ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, they feared the people for everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. Hmm. So what is Jesus saying to them right there? You don't care about the truth. You don't care. You're, you're just trying to spin the story however you want it to be spun. 
and you will not acknowledge the obvious right in front of you. You've made up your mind, regardless of the facts, right? Wait, did this happen 2,000 years ago or today? (laughs) (laughs) So after this exchange, Jesus takes us and them into his examination room as the great physician and tells them a bad news parable that they don't want to hear, but that they need to hear. This parable is really an echo of Isaiah chapter 5, there when the prophet likens Israel to God's vineyard, a vineyard that despite all the good work God lavished on it, produced no fruit. But Jesus takes that familiar Isaiah parable and gives it a twist. Vicki, would you read that for us? It says, a man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it. He dug a pit for the wine press and he built a watchtower. He rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit from the vineyard, but they seized him, beat him and sent him away empty handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. Oh, that's a gruesome story. But it's not just a story. This is actually a narrated history, right, of Israel? Isn't that correct? It is a, an apocalypse in the truest sense of the word. It is a metaphor. It is a revealing. So what Jesus is saying is God has done many things to bring his people back to him. He has sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet. And they ignored, uh, dismissed, or sometimes killed them, but they did not respond. But then the intensity of the story picks up. Now he comes to the present day and he continues his story in verse six, doesn't he, Vicki? He said he had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, they will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, this is his heir. Come, let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and they threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Wow. Those are tough words, aren't they? What is he saying to these teachers of the law? If they don't repent and accept Jesus, if they don't believe that he is the Messiah and start following him, they will be rejected by God and thrown into hell. That, that's very true. He is saying, if you reject me, God will reject you. As people rejected the prophets in the past and it was not good, this is fatal. And this is fatal for eternity. Man, that's not what they wanted to hear. Even today, people object to this kind of hard language. The reality of an eternity in hell. Well, that's, well, how could a good God um, say something like this? How could Jesus, uh, meek and mild, come across so harsh like this? People will say God is unfair and mean. Yeah, I, I had a number of years ago, I was preaching through uh, Genesis, and there was this woman who some members of the church were bringing, 
And she was like, oh, oh, I love this church. It's great. It's fantastic messages. You know, the music, it's all good. And she was all in for a few months. And then we came on that passage and we, I preached on you know, God's wrath against sin, but that how mm-hmm. God uh, saves us uh, through Jesus Christ. And, uh, and she stormed out of the church and just said, I, that she was angry at the sermon, but it wasn't like me. She says, I refuse to follow God like that. I refuse to follow a God who will punish sin. Right. Because they see that punishment as a defect in God's character, right? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought that for a while until, um, well, God showed me something in an unusual uh, way. When uh, my two boys were young, uh, my wife and I went camping with them during the summer, which actually is kind of a crazy idea to go on vacation camping with two boys because, uh, you know, we didn't have any rest at all. Uh, I'd spend all my time chasing these kids around and you're camping and everything's harder when you're out in the bush. And, oh man, I'm exhausted at the end of the day. The one thing I wanted to do at the end of the day was to read a newspaper. I bought the newspaper in faith in the morning, but never had a chance to look at it. But I didn't want to go to bed at night until I had a chance to read at least the headlines of this newspaper. But of course, it was dark then. So what I did, as many campers did, we had this Coleman lantern. I don't know if you've seen one of those. It's kind of green on the bottom. It's old fashioned technology. It's got a you know, a flame inside. You pump up the the, the, the fuel and the, the mantle hisses. And it's super bright and there's this uh, glass that goes around it to make sure that the wind doesn't blow it out. And uh, it's really bright, old technology, but it it is really effective. You can see that light for miles. So that light allowed me to see my paper at night, but it also allowed other critters to see that light. And what really bugged me was moths. These moths came out of nowhere. They didn't bite or anything. They were just gross and ugly and they'd land on the newspaper and they, but they loved the light. Some of them would try anything to get into the light as close as they can. And of course they were bounced off by the, by the glass, but some of them were really ingenious and they would crawl underneath where the mantle was. And there were little air holes and they crawled through the air hole and came into the very presence of the fire. That was their goal. And what do you think happened when those moths entered and touched the flame that was burning inside? Poof. It burned the heck out of them. <laughs> they're dead. They're dead. And, and it suddenly occurred to me that that was a great metaphor. It helped me understand God's judgment. The fire didn't burn the moths because it was angry at them. But bound up in the nature of the fire is that anything that is physical that enters its presence is immediately destroyed. It's not it's not emotion. It's just a reality that the nature of fire destroys that which is combustible. When we enter the presence of the holy God, and when we come into his fiery presence, we simply can't exist if we enter with sin. If we with sin enter his presence, dzzzt, we are immediately destroyed. We are punished. It's not because God hates us as much with an emotion as it is that we cannot, as sinful creatures, exist in his holy presence. The only place for us where we can continue to exist is in the reality of hell. 
And uh, that's what Jesus is saying. If you decide that you want to enter eternity with sin, and Jesus is clear in John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The only way sin can be dealt with is by faith in the one who died for us on the cross. If we decide not to let Jesus take our sin upon himself, and we are going to enter eternity with that sin, we're like a moth coming close to that flame. Of course it's going to happen. And Jesus wants them to know that the wages of sin is death. Either we pay the price for our sin, or we allow Jesus to pay it for us. Your choice, but someone's going to pay that debt. And what was the choice of the religious leaders? Well, what does it say in verse 12? How did they respond? It said, then the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. Hmm. The real question is not what did they decide, but what will we decide? If we choose to reject the son of God sent to save us, there will be hell to pay. God is our friend when he tells us that in very clear, stark terms. Don't hate your doctor. Don't hate this doctor. Listen to what he's saying. Choose today how you'll respond. Choose wisely. We have a choice. It's the most important decision we'll ever make. How will God respond to those of us who refuse to accept Jesus as God's Son? Scripture is clear. God will pour out His wrath on us, and He'll invite others to take our place. I trust that today's discussion of God's Word has been helpful and served as an encouragement to not just be hearers of the Word, but doers. Together, let's bring God's Word to life to our lives this week. The Crosstalk Podcast is a production of Crosstalk Global, equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. To find out more about this educational, nonprofit organization, please visit www.crosstalkglobal.org. You can also support this show by rating it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find it. Be sure to listen next Friday as we continue our discussion of the Gospel of Mark. You won't want to miss it.